Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, that's it. The regular season is over. It's over. It's over. It we happened. are. It, it did happen. We, a round of applause. We did for, it. We got it. We we're for making it to the end, right? We did. round of applause. We did we're it. it. We did it. We did it. Like um, proud we're going to talk about the final college football playoff rankings, and then we are going to talk about our red zone edition of five wide and our two point conversion. Uh, that one of ours was played, the other one of ours was not. But we'll get to that later, <laughs> and we will be crowning a new, ah uh, yeah, champion uh, in yeah. the season long, ah uh, yeah, picks competition. Ooh. I'm not excited about that, but we can we'll save that till later on so that you can have your moment. Ugh, Thanks, buddy. This. Thanks, buddy. But let's let's start off with the final college football playoff rankings. It's it, Tyler. That's it. No more college football playoff rankings. The top four teams that will participate in the semifinals and play for a chance at a national championship are the Alabama Crimson Tide. No brainer. The Clemson Tigers. No brainer. The Ohio State Buckeyes. Controversial no brainer? Uh, Yeah, I mean, to me, a bit of a, with everything that happened, it was like a, they're gonna make it in somehow. Yeah. Like, yeah. a controversial no brainer. Like Yes. And slipping in at the number four spot, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Mm. Currently... Of the American Coastal Conference. Of the Athletic Coastal Conference, I apologize. The, the uh, that Atlantic. Is the Atlantic. The Atlantic Coast oh, whatever. Conference. It's the ACC. I, yeah, I, yeah, does yeah, it yeah. matter what it stands for? Notre Dame doesn't even know. Notre Dame doesn't even know. No. Uh, those are your top four. The first two teams with their eyes looking in are Texas A&M at five and Oklahoma at six. Tyler, what do you think of the top four? What do you think of the next two teams out and... Two-part question. Is this something that you expected, number one? And number two, if not, what would you have done differently if you were on the committee and you had power? Uh, This is what I expected given – because we talked at length about this last night. But it's like given the way it broke, Clemson and Alabama were locks. They were making it. Yep. Hands down. Uh, Pretty much most college football media and people on Twitter seem to think that Ohio State wasn't a lock. But then the the committee has at no point had ever – uh, acted like them only playing six games mattered to them um right. so ohio state to me was a bit like they're gonna make it in i don't know if it was three or four but mm-hmm. they made it in at three and i i wasn't i expected notre dame to be the pick but i i, I was torn between it being notre dame and texas a&m i really was like uh-huh. i i didn't want to think they would it's just like i i had this feeling that they weren't gonna let texas a&m in mm-hmm. and and I just I wasn't sure if Notre Dame lost by enough to get knocked out. Yeah, like that that name that game was even, never in doubt. But like, even though even though the game was thirty four to three for like the majority of the second half, and yes, Notre Dame scored a touchdown at the end. I was someone hoping for a backdoor cover because I had allegedly had Notre Dame plus twenty, but that's another conversation. Um, I, see, my my thing with Texas A and M is I never thought they were going to be. Me too, because like they they're the next obvious team. But you look at the like they have they lost to Alabama by twenty eight points, mm-hmm. and as opposed to Notre Dame, who lost to a team they had already beaten in a championship game, right? And also has two more wins. Whereas, and the other thing you have to be honest with, like when I watch Texas A and M, they're good, but they haven't mm-hmm. looked great at any point, in my opinion. Let other, me other than yeah, I would maybe like the Florida win. The Florida win is their best win, right? Obvi- obviously, um, but. And even then, they won that by a field goal. They haven't looked dominant in too many of their wins. Like, against bad teams, 
they don't blow them out by too much. And against good teams, they win, but they don't, you know, I don't know. I'm nitpicking, my, but... No, no, and, and at this point, you have to nitpick. But I think my thing is that when you're comparing a one-loss Notre Dame team to a one-loss Texas A&M team, if those are the two teams that you came down to, I think that something needs to be said for Texas A&M losing by 28 points to Alabama. We would have seen them give a, get a rematch. Uh, a 28-point loss really isn't good. And Notre yeah. Dame, even though they kind of got boat raced yesterday, they took Clemson to double overtime on a nationally televised game where the yeah. president-elect of the United States had to break in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there were there was a, It was a big game. There were a lot of eyes on it. And I think you and I both, given the quote-unquote eye test, I think we'll both say that Notre Dame is a better football team than a Yeah, Because I saw the best, best said, I think, by Bill Connolly on Twitter where it's just like, if you eliminate Cincinnati, if you just mm-hmm. if you just realize that the playoff committee is not going to put them in there, and trust me, that is a conversation we're going to have for a long time. Yeah, that will sure. take too long for us to go into too much detail here. I have but, I have plenty of ammo for that conversation during yeah. the offseason. Um, but if if you if you remove Cincinnati and you and now now the resumes are just comparing Texas A and M and Notre Dame, Notre Dame is going to win. They played more games. They have a dub, mm-hmm. like they don't have a twenty eight point loss. Mm-hmm. Um. And their loss was in a championship game to a Clemson team that they had already beat. Exactly. Um, it's one of those things like recency bias tells us, oh, Notre Dame's not as good as Clemson. But in reality, it's like those those games kind of cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I- I'm with this you is there. what I expected. Yeah. Um, can I, can yeah. I ask you a question about Ohio State then? Yes. Uh, when the committee chairman, the athletic director for Iowa, whose name is escaping me at the moment, when he was talking about why they put Ohio State in at three, the first thing that came out of his mouth was they were an undefeated conference champion with two top 20 wins. And I think that that is, it brings up my, the the central point of my frustrations with the playoff committee is not necessarily that they are, well, part of it is that they are systematically excluding group of five teams, but that's again a conversation for another time. But what I want is honesty. Like, yeah, just be straight just up. Just put with me the and, word "power five in front of conference. Just, just tell me. Be honest. Just, just be honest well, with us because and, that's what it is. And, and, and like, if Notre Dame can go, if I'm sorry, Ohio State can play only six games, five of them in the season, one in a conference game, and your justification and the first words out of your mouth are undefeated conference champion with two top twenty wins, twenty wins, Tyler. Let me introduce you to the University of Cincinnati, who is 9-0, undefeated, conference champion with two top 20 wins. Tyler, let me also introduce you to Coastal Carolina, who is undefeated, three top 20 wins, and unfortunately, due to circumstances out of their control, didn't get to play, but technically are their conference champion because of that. Um, I just think that the hypocrisy, like, just be straight up with us at this point, you know? I I agree. I mean, and it's one of those things, like, you, we've known for a long time that hey, group of five teams are not getting in. They're just not mm-hmm. getting in. Um, however, it's I think if they would just come out and say that, yeah, then we would be spared all this hanging and all this Twitter anger that I see all the time that just gives me a headache because I'm like, we're gonna we're gonna argue about this for months. We're gonna start next season. A group of five team is gonna go three and zero, and we're gonna forget everything that's happened. We're, and it's like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. You're not going to get different results out of this playoff committee. Mm-hmm. So I, we've said all we, we said what we said about it, um, and we, we feel how we feel, and we feel how we feel about the expansion. And I I still think expansion is going to happen. Why? Because they'll make money. Yeah. That's what matters. And oh, we yeah. will, 
And what we should hope for is you should keep arguing for the way it should be expanded. That's what we should be arguing about. It's going to yeah. expand. And you know what? We're just going to have to wait till that happens. Because- and it's a question of when as well. It's not It's yeah. not even if anymore. Raul was telling me today that he thinks that there'll be some type of changes for next season. I don't know about that because I think the contract runs until 24. Um, but I yeah. definitely can see conversations about, it's gonna be hey, like co- once... It's going to be like a one- coach contract where it's like one or two years out, they'll make a change to it. That's exactly. They're not going to let it run out, but they're not. Mm-hmm. They're going to wait if they can. Yeah, I and, agree. And I, agree. I, and I actually agree with this to an extent in the sense of you need data. Yeah. You need data. People have tried to make broad-standing like um, judgments about how the college football playoff works when we only played it for three years. We're mm-hmm. going on, I believe this is the sixth year of it. This is the sixth year. We're going on repeatable, this is how it goes out. Like, we this have, is how it goes we have evidence, repeatable evidence, like you say. And yeah. I think I think the holy grail of evidence is a 6-0 and Ohio State team being put. Yeah. And the qualifications being said are literally verbatim the same things that... Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati have, yeah. and I think that's that's what we should put on that. I want to move. I just want to bring attention to the six and Ohio State thing that they got in. Regardless, um, I want to ask about Oklahoma. When we were texting last night, talking about potential, what we thought could happen, you had this exact top six, mm-hmm. and then I had Oklahoma and Texas A and M flipped, and that's because again, speaking of data, prior things, the committee has had a track record over the past five seasons of at this final ranking after the conference championship, putting more value in a conference champion than a non-conference champion. The only exception being Alabama, who came in at that four seed. But again, they made the playoff. A&M is out. So I thought that Oklahoma could have hopped over and um, taken the five spot and then A&M at the six spot. But alas, that's not what happened. Um, The rest of the top 10, just so we can have a data point, Oklahoma 6. Florida stays put at 7. We'll talk about the massive, fantastic SEC championship game. Objectively amazing game. Objectively a fantastic football team, a game, entertaining, excellent game. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, Cincinnati climbs one spot from 9 back to 8. Georgia drops down to 9, and Iowa State flips with Oklahoma and is at 10. Um, Tyler, anything else that you want to say about these final playoff rankings? Um, I think it's just with the, with the, I don't really have an issue with any of these things other than like, it's a testament to what happened in that game that we will talk about soon that Florida basically stayed where they were. Yeah. Um, and it's funny cause after the game, Raul and I were sitting there and I'm thinking, where, where are we going? And after two minutes, I was like, based on everything else, like they're not going to put us below Georgia. There, I don't. They, we've seen Georgia play Alabama this season, and Florida gave Alabama the best fight anyone's given them all season. Like, and and Nick Saban said so himself afterwards. Yeah. Listen, if it's good enough for Saban, that's gonna be my theme for today with the SEC game. If it's good enough for Saban, it's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so the floor was going to be above Georgia. The question is, where was Georgia going? All this. So, so I'm, I'm. It's funny that they they I thought we were ranked too high last week after the LSU loss, but now I think given our performance, they were just a week ahead. They were they're like we know that they're gonna fit. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things that like like I said last week, late late losses are tricky. Yeah, I mean this team was then given the next week to go play for conference championship and played really hard for one. So I mean I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. I like that they jumped Cincinnati above Georgia for multiple reasons. One, you know, giving Cincinnati props for you know winning a conference title. Right. Also, I'm a Florida fan, so love ha-ha, love to Georgia. see that. <laughs> um, yeah, but beyond that, I'm okay with the top ten. Yep, I'm pretty good with that. And then in the top, in the next 
batch at 10. I think the standouts, Coastal stays the same at 12. North Carolina is at 13. Should have been higher. I agree. I would. I think I would put Coastal at this moment. Uh, I put him above Iowa State. I put him, I put him above, above. Yeah, and then borderline Georgia. Because I do think yeah. that Georgia, now with JT Daniels, and their defense has gotten healthy in the back half of the season, I do think that they're a better football team in terms of talent, X's and O's. But Coastal, you got to reward them 11-0. They would have been 12-0 if they had beaten um, Louisiana. So yeah. all that. Uh, yeah, for the most part, uh, Texas at 20, Oklahoma State 21, San Jose State at 22, uh, NC State 23, Tulsa 24, and welcome back to the top 25, Oregon at 25. Winners of the Pac-12, we'll talk about that in a second. Tyler, let's move on. Let's go right. to these games. Let's go to five wide red zone. Let's run through these bad boys. Let's start on Friday night, the Conference USA Championship game. Marshall was the consensus pick for all three of us, and I'm including friends of the pod, Michael Phillips, who was on last week. Turns out UAB won the football game 22-13. to I cannot believe the one year that I don't pick at UAB, <laughs> they win the conference. Uh, you know, peak college, college football, football. Like that. peak college football, by the way, congrats to, um, uh, Bill Clark and the, uh, UAB Blazers. Somebody should hire that man. I was going to say, is there potential for Bill Clark to get a quote unquote higher profile job? Yes. And does he want it, to leave? Cause he literally rebuilt that program from yeah, the ground up. Like I would say yes, but there's only certain types of programs I think he'd leave for, you know, like, mm-hmm it's one of those things where like, like if, if Matt Campbell leaves Iowa state, Bill Clark would yeah. be the perfect coach to take over that type of program oh, I agree. where you have to like win in a certain culture type of way. Cause that's what yeah. he built UAB in. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick Bill Clark, Bill Clark to go to Florida. That's, that's a different type of job. That's a different, you have to win in a different way. Right. Um, like, like if any of the low level Mississippi jobs, the Arkansas job or like South Carolina were, were open, well, South Carolina was open, but, um, Bill Clark might be good for those jobs where you have to win through culture. Yeah. So, um, maybe, but it's just, I, it's going to take the perfect job to pull him away. Cause like he loves it there. He's yeah. king there right now too. He like, is. He's the Greg Schiano of Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. He's king in his area. Uh, congratulations to UAB. Marshall kind of fell flat footed. Uh, they didn't, they didn't get off to a good start. UAB got off to a fast start and they never really recovered from that. So kudos to him. Neither one of us get the points there. Cause none of us picked it. Uh, Tyler, let's go to the conference where all the teams are the same. The MAC. Um, this was a crap evidence by the fact that we couldn't pick this game. Like, Listen, man, I, I think I saw two MAC games all season, and again, just everything is the same in the MAC, and I love, I love it. It's fantastic. Uh, Ball State ends up winning thirty-eight to twenty-eight, upsetting Buffalo again. None of us got the points there because we all went with Buffalo after the fantastic rushing performance that they had I, earlier this I year. I think my understanding, and again, I. I didn't watch this game because there were other things going on. <laughs> uh, but my understanding also is that like Buffalo was behind for most of this game. Yes. And Sim- that, similar to the Marshall game, the they best thing early. you can do when you're facing a team that is a, like a dynamic rushing attack is force them to go away from it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that makes Agreed. sense. Agreed. Uh, neither one of us got points there. All right. The big game on Friday, the PAC 12 title game, Oregon, Ends up upsetting. Can we call it an upset? Really, I don't know. Uh, yes, because you two both picked USC. All right, um, relax, relax, relax. Oregon beats USC thirty-four to twenty-four. Uh, Tyler, you get the point on that one. Michael and I picked USC, so we do not get anything. Um, Keaton Slovis just making it rain interceptions. Yeah, left and Tur- right. 
there uh, uh, this man must want to bake because he he makes some good turnovers um uh, like he must he must be a, he must be studying baking at usc which i'm sure is a i'm sure that they have that at usc i, I mean it's, bet, it's USC. i bet you they do they definitely um, have a home it's a southern california private uni- university like have you seen have you seen eddie's million dollar cook-off yes so that's keaton slovis <laughs> he just really wanted to make turnovers and therefore he took it to the field <laughs> oh boy no uh, and the, the big story of this game is really it really is as simple as that is Keaton Slovis turned the ball over a lot yeah if he had not done that USC probably could have won I agree I they really could have won um, I agree and especially that last turnover that wasn't even really his fault like I mean it was because he, he should throw it more out of bounds like but but there's almost no way, physical way, that that's able to be intercepted other than yeah. play that just like the slightest bit of your toe is still touching the green as you clutch out of bounds at the, at the ball. Like, it was a it was a great play by the Oregon defender. Oh, great play, absolutely. I, great play. I, I wouldn't even. I mean, yeah, I would say it's on ninety nine percent of the time. That's that that pass is in a location that's good enough to be a complete throwaway. Exactly. Ninety nine percent of the time. Exactly. Um, I think. Kudos to Joe Moorhead's offensive game plan. Yeah. I thought he did a fantastic job. Um, Oregon's going to be good next year. Oregon's going to be good next year. They got a top 10 recruiting class nationally, hands down the best recruiting class in their conference. Like the talent differential is insane. Yeah. Uh, and then Mario Cristobal got that extension. Keep, if they can keep Joe Moorhead, which I think they do, they have a lot of talent on defense. Kayvon Thibodeau, like, yeah. Yeah. I, I think they'll be good. They, that's two straight Pac-12 championships for Mario Cristobal. <laughs> yeah, and now we get um, uh, now we get a 25th ranked Oregon team in a New Year's Six bowl game, which we'll talk about in our next episode. But we'll get to that later. Uh, Tyler, you get the point there. I get nothing. Let's move on to Saturday. Let's talk about the Big Ten title game. Northwestern put up 10 points early in the game, and Ohio State had to claw their way back to put up 22 to win this football game we both get the points on that one michael theoretically would have gotten points on that as well um this game northwestern blew it they blew it northwestern blew it but i also think that this is the this game obviously is the reason why earlier you mentioned a lot of people on twitter weren't sure if ohio state was a chew-in like a lock for the playoff turns out they were um but i think this proves that they were they were a lock already if just if they won because yes they looked about as unimpressive as you could have it was bad and granted granted they had 22 players missing including their best receiver um i get that Justin fields did not look great he did not look great so you tweeted i pronounced that second t you tweeted 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 you tweeted and you texted me that you were willing to entertain conversations for Justin Fields, I'm sorry, for Zach Wilson as the number two overall pick. As QB2, now, yeah. As QB2. We are going to leave the recent events that happened with the New York Jets and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Which we'll get to. For later on in moment of the week. But if you were to, now instead of framing it as a Jags, if you were to be the team that drafted second overall and Trevor Lawrence was off the board, how much of this game will influence your decision on if you either want to stay and stay on the fields track or are you willing to go over to the Zach Wilson? Are, are you coming over to my so, side of the hype train? This listing Zach Wilson as your QB2. I, I was firmly on Justin Fields as QB2. This game got me to take one step off. Like, oh. 
it just just uh, so you're uh, saying there's a chance yeah yeah i'm willing to entertain the conversation the thing okay. is like i still look i look at justin field's body of work his measurables his everything and i'm like still desirable still mm-hmm. what i want and i I want to clarify that at no point do I ever think that Zach Wilson is a bad quarterback. Like no, Zach no. Wilson is firmly QB three for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where like I would need to. What I really need to know is like I need this a team. I would need to like go work out with Justin Fields, talk to him. Were you injured? Because he didn't look like he was the healthiest guy in the world right they now. They also like, in the third in the third quarter. I know you. I know you were driving to Jacksonville, but in the third quarter. They were taping up his right hand, his yeah. throwing hand, and he, and you could see him messing with his thumb. So maybe he was dealing with some tendon. I've had tendonitis yeah. in my thumb. It, maybe he was dealing with some tendonitis. Maybe he was something I need, sprained. I need to know. I need like yeah. I need to know. And again, Ohio State and everybody in the Big Ten got z- like almost zero practice time, less than every other team in college football, which also got zero practice time. Right. Um. But because this Big Ten season was just made to chew in Ohio State's playoff, but we all knew that, right. so it doesn't matter. Um, exactly. And he is, that's why he was like, he was openly, the entire season he's thrown to almost exclusively Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Yep. Because he, he has he has scored, uh, chemistry with those guys. He, he had them last year. And they're, right. and they're great receivers, so it's not a bad choice. But without mm-hmm. one of them, he looked a little rusty, looked a little off. And again, Northwestern plays really good defense. So it's part of it. I don't know. I think I, I need to know why he looked this bad. If it's because of if it's because his hand was messed up, whatever, throw mm-hmm. that out. Like it was a well, bad I wanna, game. I want to. I want to just flip the switch here. Let's take it off of Justin Fields. I, I want to know what the Ohio State game plan was when you have twenty-two players out, and you also are missing your top two wide receivers. Yeah. And you have a guy like Trey Sermon in the backfield. And you have their offensive line. Like, like th- you're good. Like, run the football. I don't understand in why. In a game where you have less players and you have a severe talent advantage, you know what you should do? Use it. You Use it. Lean on it. Run the ball. Run the ball. That's the <laughs> and, thing. And where... running the ball does shorten the game, which which lowers the, the gap that talent gives you. More players. Right. Means... However, just do what works. But and when you have Trey Sermon having 29 carries for 331 yards and two touchdowns, like run the football. Run the I football. Don't under- I don't understand it. Like they were down 10 to six at halftime. And when I started to kind of pay attention to, and I put the game on my laptop to really pay attention. I mean, every time it would be like a run, 12 yards, a run, 15 yards, a run, 13 yards, a throw, an interception. A throw, a short ball, because yeah. Fields maybe they were beating themselves. Figure. They were beating themselves. They beating themselves. Just run the football, and it wasn't until late in the third quarter where Ryan Day was like, "Forget this. We're running this football." Yeah, and they ran it down well, Northwestern's throats, and that's when they pulled away. If they would have done that in the first and second quarters, we wouldn't probably wouldn't have, be having this discussion, and there yeah. wouldn't be this whole Justin Fields is he isn't he QB two. Yeah, well, I mean, like Ryan Day is the reverse has the reverse Dan Mullen problem. Let me break. Like Dan Mullen has this season has had one of the best passing attacks Florida's ever seen, and best yeah. passing attacks in the country. And the entire fan base has been trying to get him to stop running the ball. Like <laughs> he and he 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 he's the ar- architect of the offense, so obviously he knows how to you know run offense. But it's one of those things where the entire fan base is like Dan Mullen is still rooted in that. Like he likes to run the ball, he likes to be balanced, and the the fan base is like, no, get away from that. Ryan Day just likes to throw the football. Because these yeah. teams are usually good at that. And, like, you're just looking at Ryan Day, and I'm like, you have this offensive line and Trey Sermon. Run the ball. Yeah. Just run it. Like, I don't 
I don't know. That's that was do where my what works. Do what works. All like listen. If, if this was a normal sixth game in a season, it would have been we, we would forget about this. But this yeah, is because, the conference championship game. Like, because a sixth game of the season is where you have your weird, oh, I struggled in the first half against a team I should blow out, but you end up pulling the win out. Like Ohio yeah. State did what they should have. It's just by no fault of their own, their sixth game of the year was the conference championship. So yeah. I get that. Uh all I want to say is Clemson is going to dissect this tape and oh boy, is it going to be a good one. Ohio State's defense, man. You got a, <laughs> a tall task. Brett Venables, task. Is looking, Brett Venables is looking at uh, Ohio State's offense and how it's not playing well right now, and it's just mm-hmm. doing Birdman hand rubs. Easily. Like, Easily Birdman I'm excited for that rematch. I am excited for the rematch. Yeah, like, which we'll, we'll talk about Fields that. versus Trevor is always cool. Like, Yeah, of course. We'll talk about that uh, in our next episode where we preview all the bowl games. Uh, let's move forward for now. We both get the points on that, and also Michael would have theoretically gotten a point there. The Big 12 title game going on at the same time as this Oklahoma as this Northwestern Ohio State game. Oklahoma 27, Iowa State 21. I get the point here. Tyler, I'm sorry to say it is officially the end of Brocktober. Yeah, it finally happened. You know, you know the most heartbreaking thing about this? I can no longer say that Iowa State is undefeated in the All Blacks. Yeah. And and, and that's the thing. Iowa State showed up in this game. Like, like Iowa this was State- a good game. I want to say I watched this game start to finish because Diego, Oklahoma alum, big Oklahoma fan. We support Oklahoma in this household unless they play the Gators. Um, oh, that's weird. <laughs> very strange. Talk about that later. Um, Iowa State had a – they struggled in the first half. But they struggled by their standards. So it's yeah. not like they were playing poorly. They were getting into their 12-13 personnel, which 12 personnel is two tight ends, one running back. 13 is three tight ends, one running back. Um, they were getting to 12-13 personnel. And they were being effective. It's just this Oklahoma defense and Grinch has so had them so much better. The, the the lateral speed, the side-to-side agility that this Oklahoma team has is incredible. It was very much like watching Zachary Carter when he had a bunch of those yeah. side-to-side tackles in the SEC title game. Like It was very much like that. And Oklahoma's offense, man, Spencer Rattler, oh my. This man can ball. I'm you, telling you, man, you, this you, man can ball. You want my hot take? Uh, uh, hoodies up, third eye open. You want my hot take? Caveat: If if college football teams get a more normal offseason this this year, yeah, and if Alex Grinch stays, uh, Oklahoma's winning a national championship next year. Whoa, that's a he big thinks. one, dude. You if okay, so I actually have a thought about that. Oklahoma's defense is actually what won them this game because Spencer Rattler had some great moments, but mm-hmm. in the second half they didn't play that well. I was going to say, they, they scored 24 points in the first half and had a field goal in the fourth quarter. That was but, it. I, and Iowa State's got a good defense. Like, so, yeah. I mean, it's Mac, this, it's was, a Mac this Campbell was just two, this was two good teams. But, mm-hmm. and Iowa State got, just figured themselves out in the, uh, in the second half and couldn't, like, couldn't get back over that hump. But right. I will say, full offseason, Spencer Rattler working with Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch stays, improves this defense even more. I, I know it's a hot take, but I, I think Spencer Rattler's amazing. I do. I and, of well. course, I could we could show up next year and Alabama looks like they do this year, and I'll be like, ah, never mind. Like, in a normal, <laughs> in, in a non-Nick Saban year, Oklahoma would win a national championship, but whatever. Like, um, right. But I'm just saying, I think Oklahoma's going to be that level of a team next year. Mm-hmm. Because... I agree. I this, agree this that they'll... defense keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. Spencer Rattler is... For this being Spencer Rattler's, Spencer Rattler's first year freshman season, it's pretty damn good. 
Yeah. Like, he, he, he only has up. He's, the only place he can go is up now. And, and the thing here is, in the past, Oklahoma, we've known, has had these dynamic offensive teams. They had Baker Mayfield, who was a college legend. They had Kyler Murray. They had Jalen Hurts. Now they have the defense to pair with it. And mm-hmm. that's always been the issue. It was always Oklahoma's going to be in a shootout. It was very much like Florida this year, where they have a dynamic offense that can score 60, 60 points if we really want. But that defense is going to allow 56, so it's going to be a close yeah. game. This is a different team. And I think that, that How Lincoln Riley— How many games Riley, in the past is Oklahoma going to win if they only score 27 points? None. 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 The, defense yeah. is, the defense is letting up 35-42 easily. There was a year—the last Baker year— I think Oklahoma was, I think, ranked in the 110s in defensive efficiency. Like, that's how yeah. bad they – and they were in the top 10 offensively. They were the best, one of the best teams offensively, one of the worst teams defensively. So the fact that they've gotten Alex Grinch in there to go in <coughs> – Dan Mullen, <coughs> make a phone call. <coughs> the fact that they've gotten him in there <laughs> – sorry, I had something in my throat. I had to clear it out. Um, the, fact, the fact that Alex Grinch has transformed that defense and Lincoln Riley has done what we talked about Two weeks ago about Dan Mullen, he was at a crossroads. You got to decide where you're going to go. Lincoln Riley made the right decision. You know, that's what we want with Dan Mullen. I see a lot of parallels between Oklahoma three years ago and Florida this year. And I just want Dan to make, I know we brought it back to Florida somehow, but I want Dan to make those. Oh, wow. Look at us. We're not, we're not giving favors to any non-Florida fans that listen to this podcast. Listen, man, I just want us to be great. And right now we're really (laughs) good. I just want us to be great. We got to talk about us in a second. (laughs) We will. But the point is. Oklahoma like Riley saw the moment yeah he made the change yes he made and the change you know this Oklahoma offensive year where they're you know good not all-time great but they're good mm-hmm. that's the dip year for Lincoln Riley's team like and, and if, if winning a clue, yeah like winning a big 12 title and finishing sixth in the rankings is a down year sign me up every year yeah my sign general me manager, up every time my general manager at our at the new station I work at is is an Oklahoma fan and I told him like this is a rebuilding year for you guys They're like no it's not and I'm like no it is but like a rebuilding year for Oklahoma is like, <laughs> oh, coming second in the Big Twelve regular season standings. Like, who else is like that? Like, um, you know, do you, you, you have any idea the difference in energy yesterday in this house at noon compared to eight p.m.? Diego, <laughs> Diego watched the game. I had to call him and say, "Yo, the game is on." He's like, "Oh, I'll be right there." I'm like, oh, that's right, because he's won a Big 12 title since his freshman year at Oklahoma. Every year. He's, every year he's won a Big 12 title. Six meanwhile, straight Big 12 titles. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there. We're about to eat dinner, and the game is on, the Florida game at 8, and they're showing the, the, the clips and everything. And he looks at me and he goes, dude, don't be so stressed. You're going to be fine. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. We don't make it to the conference championship game every year like you do. Like, come on, man. That's the kind of that's the kind of energy that Oklahoma fans and obviously honestly rightfully so. No, it's a luxury to, to have that. Of course. Oh man, anyway, but I do want I do want to mention again Iowa State in the second half, hell of a performance. Matt Campbell's a good coach, and yeah. I I, w- I will be upset if I'll be upset if this is the last time we see him as the Iowa State head coach. But I get it, and is Purdy ha- is look Purdy at what staying? he did to this. I don't know. Look okay. look at what he did to this program. They were the he, number one regular season. He turned season. them they into the a regular program. season Big 12 champions, champions. Yep. Iowa State was ranked six at one point in this country, and they're still a top 10 team. Like, that's. They're going to yeah. have a bunch of draft picks. This is now kind of a desirable job. I would I would agree. I would agree with, him, uh, with that. It, yeah, yeah. I don't know. If yeah. Purdy comes back, Matt Campbell might stay. I think so, too. I think it depends on yeah. if Purdy decides to go or not. Um, yeah. 
Because you get Brees Hall for one more year. Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but the the true winner of this game, Alex Grinch, hats off to you. Yes, sir. Um, <clears throat> Mullen, make the change. Uh, moving on, unfortunately, Tyler, we did not get to see Louisiana and Coastal Son of Carolina. Bitch. <sighs> I know. God damn I know. it! The <laughs> Sun Belt Championship game was canceled due to COVID uh, cases in the Coastal Carolina program. It's very unfortunate. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to have to skip over that. Uh, again, I got the point for the Oklahoma game. Tyler got nothing. In the ACC title game, the what we build as the biggest game of the day, the best game of the day, did not end up being the best game of the day. Clemson put up 34 points on Notre Dame. He only put up 10. That that touchdown was a garbage time touchdown. This game was so done with. Dabo took out all of Clemson his like did not was not here to play around. Oh no. No, they took care of business early and then with 9 minutes left in the game, Tyler. Damn near a whole quarter of football. Dabo Sweeney said, "Hey Trevor, come off the field so I can give you a standing ovation." Hey, some of the some of you senior linemen, come off the field so I can give you a standing ovation. The, <laughs> well, they're beating a playoff team, <laughs> a beating a playoff team, and with almost an entire quarter left to play. God damn! Oh my gosh! I said it once and I said it again. Clemson is an NFL team. There is yeah. a very clear Alabama and Clemson are on our own tier, and everyone else is on the other one. And when yeah. we think that one team can get to that level, like we thought Notre Dame did earlier in the season, like we thought that maybe um, Ohio State could have if they played a complete season coming into the year and stuff, no, sir. It is Alabama and Clemson and then everyone else. Yeah. It really is. And that is okay because – And that's okay. Uh, yeah, I agree. They're pretty it, – it, I mean, it's good. I, I just want to appreciate every – the the the, um, the two – likely two games left of Trevor Lawrence we, at Clemson we get. Yeah. Appreciate what you've what you've been able to watch cuz this man is special. He is. And I don't really care about this in regards to um the NFL potential cuz you know we we still like to stand the pocket like we can separate what a college player is when they're in college versus what mm-hmm. they are when they're in the NFL. Like those can be separate. Like Yeah, we we just cuz you're bad great, in the NFL do, yeah. doesn't mean that you were always bad in college and you were Correct. fraud like no. College but, football is its own sport. Yeah. That translates to the NFL. Some players are great in both. Some players are great in only one. There's tons of NFL players who were horrible in college that we did not see it coming. So yeah, um, but did what? I'm excited to be able to brag to my kids that I watched Trevor Lawrence play in college. I'm like, excited. I'm excited to tell my kids when you, your family, and your kids are over my house watching college football, and I can tell our kids, hey. I can tell your kids, hey, your dad at one point said he wanted to marry one of Trevor Lawrence's past. I stand by And it. then six months later, when he saw a different pass, said he was ready to risk it all for that pass. I stand by <laughs> it. I stand by it. He's he's truly something special. And we're not going to – listen, we, we've seen a lot of great quarterbacks in the past decade. We've seen Baker Mayfield was a fantastic college quarterback. Absolutely. We've seen uh, Jalen Hurts be a fantastic college quarterback. Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, we saw Marcus Mariota be a fantastic college quarterback. Uh, we saw tons of we saw Jameis Winston be a fantastic college quarterback, but none of them have been on the same playing field on the We're, same level as Trevor Lawrence. Trevor it's, Lawrence he's, has he's had another, every expectation piled on him, and he's met it every single step of the way. And it, and it seems like it doesn't even phase him. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, and, and on, uh, credit to the other sides of Clemson real quick before we move on. Uh, Clemson's defense. Shut. They locked down in this game. Oh yeah. They're like, no, 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 Notre Dame. You ain't gonna be the same way twice. Like, uh-huh. um, 
And yeah. I think it was funny because I was watching the broadcast and a lot of what Fowler and Herbie were talking about and a lot of the pregame hype was that Brett Venable said, we have to keep Ian Book in the pocket. And they were making a lot of comparisons to when Brett Venables drew up a game plan when they were trying to stop another great quarterback that we got to witness in college, Lamar Jackson, yep. you know, when they were trying to stop them. And the fact that, A, they had to treat Ian Book like Lamar Jackson is is indicative of how good of a season he's having. But like you said, they weren't here to play. They shut him down. All that stuff that I talked about, how he can extend plays with his legs, and that's really being the biggest difference. They turned him into Ian Book of last year. They yeah. they they knocked him into 2019 in this football game. And that's what they had to do. And yeah. and they got their starters back. They got their leaders back. And that was very, very clear um, on the football field. Notre Dame didn't have a chance. I'm out here defending Notre Dame in a group chat that includes a Notre Dame fan and w- with my Connecticut friends. And they're like, man, we're going to get racked. And I was like, no, dude, like Notre Dame's a good football team. This offensive line is good. The run game is good. The defense was solid last last game against them. You're going to be fine. And then halfway through the, through the third quarter, I was like, hey, uh, remember all that stuff I said two hours ago? Yeah, I, I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I was being facetious. <laughs> I was being facetious. Uh, Tyler, I have all one right. more question before we move on. Yeah. After the game, go back to Trevor Lawrence. Dabo Sweeney said that it would be a shame if the Heisman Trophy didn't associate itself with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, given that we know he's the best player in college football, the Heisman is not an award for the best player in college no. football. It's for no. the most Sean Watson would have won it at some point then. Christian, McCa- Christian McCaffrey would have won it over Derek Henry. Christian McCaffrey. He, he's the 2015 Heisman winner in the sideline judgment universe. Anyway, back yeah. to normal points. Um, do you think that this game and this kind of being the only big game at this time since the Coastal Louisiana game was canceled and it was in the same time slot. Do you believe that maybe Trevor put himself in the, in the conversation again, after being out of it since he uh, missed two games to COVID? Uh, I think he put himself back in the conversation of uh, getting to the ceremony. Okay. Um, But I don't think, I don't think he's going to win. I mean, there's a game we're going to talk about later that had four Heisman contenders in it. Um, (laughs) And all, and all four of them made a big difference. (laughs) All four of them mattered. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, it's one of those, and I, I've said this time and time again, like Clemson quarterbacks are clearly Heisman worthy, Sean Watson, Trevor Lawrence, like, but it's, it's a matter of like, they don't necessarily always put up the numbers to indi- indicate the Heisman. Correct. And even you kind of said it, like having Travis Etienne on his team does not really help him with the Heisman race. <laughs> like, right. No, and, um, and, he's, and he said it, he said, I, at the beginning of that sentence was, I know it's a stats award. So he would like basically prefaced the evidence, but then yeah, said, like, "I know, I know the requirements have changed, but you should do X, Y, and Z, even yeah, though it doesn't no. meet the requirements." It, it, it's what it's again. It's one of those things we always say, where it's like people said that about Florida. Hey, bring back Florida, where it's just like Kyle Pitts is the best player on the team, but Kyle Trask was the Heisman contender. I'm like, yes, because both of those things can be true. Like Makes they're sense. not always the same thing, right? Like if if it was best player in the country, like I don't know, like Miles Garrett probably would have won it one year. Miles but, Garrett and then probably would have won it. Dominick Sue would have won it that 2009 year, but he didn't. Because yep. like, that's not right. what it really is. It's a stats-based award. Like, Correct. Um, so, yeah. Correct. All right. Then moving on. Moving on, Tyler. Uh, the next game, Boise State and San Jose State in the Mountain West Championship game. Um, we both got Clemson. We got the points, by the way, for the record. Uh, I get the points here because I picked San Jose State. You picked Boise it. State. Go. Uh, listen, I saw probably the I'll middle. I'll be honest, I didn't see really any of this game. I saw like eight minutes in the third quarter. I was a little occupied. Yeah, as was I. I saw like eight minutes in the third quarter, 
And just the way San Jose State moves the football is really nice. It's very much a West Coast, like, dumping, like, dump it off, short yardage to set up the deep ball kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it really worked. I'm just very happy because this was the first time that they played at home all season because they were not allowed to play at their stadium. Yeah. So not only was it a home game for them, it was their only home game. It was a conference title game. And they knocked down the perennial Mountain West Giants in Boise State. That's yeah, so. Boise. There's Good a lot of him. There's a lot of weight to be held with that, even if this isn't the best Boise team. Agreed. And, and Hank Bachmeyer, the quarterback for Boise, late in the game kind of made it a game. There was a point where it was fourth and goal. Uh, to They were down two scores in the fourth, and – he made a move and drove to the corner to the pylon and got the touchdown, and it was a game there. But then San Jose State, was the offense was too much for the Boise defense. So I get the point there. Congrats to the Spartans. Good on them. Uh, the American title game, Tyler. Tulsa and Cincinnati. Cincinnati wins 27-24. to We both get the points there. It was a rainy day in Cincinnati. And after the game, Desmond Ritter, the Cincinnati quarterback, in tears talking about how much winning the conference meant to Cincinnati because when you think about it Luke Fickle's been there four years right been there four years yeah so in those four years he turned them into a powerhouse in the American and there's last year they played Memphis in back-to-back games and they lost both of those games and it was heartbreaking and they were close football games and to pull it out in the rain at home against a really good Tulsa team that's going to make some noise a, a next good year. good Tulsa team that I'm, I'm glad, I'm very happy that the committee did not drop out of the rankings. I agree. I think they saw the right. game and, and realized just how good of a team they were. Uh, yeah, this was a good slugfest. Great football game, 27-24. Shout out to Cincinnati. And well-deserved New Year's Six uh, bowl appearance. Well-deserved by Cincinnati. Tyler, it's time. It's time. The game of the the game of the day, hands down, might contender for game of the year, contender for game of the year. Yeah, prob- probably with the yeah. first Clemson Notre Dame game, uh, and the BYU Coastal game. Yeah, I think that was a fantastic game. Alabama fifty two, Florida forty six. Tyler gets the point on that one because he a traitor picked Alabama instead of Florida. Well, like he like an idiot, he was thinking with his head. Pfft, come on, yeah, Re- bringing reason into this clearly didn't didn't help me at all. Uh. Sucks to have lost the picks competition. Tyler, I'm gonna just I'm gonna let you have the floor. What do you, what do you what about this game? What about this game? I remain I I, I was very impressed with um, Florida's fight in this game. Mm-hmm. Florida never stopped fighting. They made they, they lost to Alabama, one of the best Alabama teams I've ever seen by six points. Um, the defense was almost did enough, almost, just almost. Um. And that was that's saying a lot because they let fifty two get dropped on them, <laughs> but Cal Trask stepped up and Florida's offense had some crazy moments in the sense of like some fumbles, uh, and just a couple things here and there. Trask fumble uh, didn't actually break the game open back in the when he fumbled in our own red zone, right? But it's one of those things where Florida was being pressed. Alabama was has to had to play their game, but Florida was being pressed to like go and every step of the way, Cal Trask responded. And I, I agree with what Michael said last week where it's like, you know, it sucks that Florida lost to LSU because if Florida beaten LSU, one of the conversations that people would have been having was does Florida get the four spot now over Notre Dame? Yeah. Because they've only, they lost two games, but one was by a field goal and the other one was by six points to Alabama, who no one's probably going to play Alabama that good except for maybe Clemson. Like, yeah. Um, we would be having that conversation and we're not having that conversation and rightfully so because Florida lost. Right. But, 
I think Michael was right when he said last week that losing to LSU might have been the best thing that could have happened to Florida in the sense mm-hmm. that it locked them in. Right. I mean, Kadarius Tony went off in this game. K- Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts' last touch as a college player was a touchdown to bring it within six a points. A disgusting touchdown. Yeah. And a jumping up, grabbing it off, both feet down, corner end zone touchdown, which, by the way, great yeah. throw by Trask as yeah. well. And we're going to keep talking about the good for a little bit here. Trayvon Grimes mossed Patrick Sertan, a first-round cornerback. Beat him. Um, the, can we go back to can we go back to Tony for a second? Yeah. To, who who played himself probably into a late round he's a, one. He's a top fifty pick in my opinion. I think I think he's a top fifty pick. I think he played. He was he was a top one hundred pick. I think he played himself. He made into, money. He made money. He made a lot there of a money. Drive in the past that he two, was literally weeks. the entire offense. Yeah. Cal Trask sure. is it to uh, wherever Tony is. Wherever Tony is. Wherever Fine, Tony. Tony. Nick Saban said in the post game. They, they asked him about Kyle Trask. Nick Saban didn't even really say about Kyle Trask. He's just like, when they have 84 and 1, like, <laughs> I mean, what what are you, you going to do? He's like, because they go empty so much, which makes you declare who you're going to cover. You can't double both of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't. And then you got Trevon Grimes, yeah. who's also six foot four, two 235 pounds, who can go up there, like you said, in Moss, Patrick Sertan. Uh, yeah. I think the offensive line played really well yesterday. I think that's an yeah. unsung thing. There were moments, obviously, towards the and end the, of the game. The, the last the play of the collapsed. game, which, which I mean, the last play of the game, which Tyler Trask had, took that sack, was beaten on the right side of the line, yeah. which has been a problem all season. However, that yeah. was 16 seconds, so the chances were slim anyway. And Right. But for the most part, Kyle Trask was pressured the most he's been all season. But the, the offensive line, Florida's, for offensive lines that we've seen in the past, this was really good. <laughs> and that's that's and, what I'm saying. I got into I got into a genuine argument Um yesterday and it was it was because i was so i'm so tired of when florida loses the sky has fallen yeah that the apocalypse is happening and that's not true and i think i have a different perspective from maybe other people in terms of and i'm not saying that other people don't remember this but i have a very very vivid picture of what the offense was like under Matt Muschamp in his last year under McIlwain of what happened. Defense is a different story because the defense has been consistently well, well through we'll, the decade. We'll, we'll talk about that for a little bit. We'll talk later. about that later. But offensively, like, oh my gosh. Like, the fact that this is where we are is a miracle. We're able yeah. to do this. And when you look at it next year, we had this conversation today, a short conversation in one of our group chats where friend of the pod, medium income Bucks fan Tyler Renfro was talking with you about what the lineups are going to be like next year. And you, when you look at it, we got some great guys. Like mm-hmm. you, obviously you can't replace Pitts and Tony because they are one of, they are one of ones, but they're special. They are but you special, can, but you can replace their productivity and spread yeah. it across. And there's a lot of people. And the offense will look different, but I, I'm, I'm really excited for the Emory Jones show next year. I am like, as well. Um, I, I think that offensively, like, and we'll talk about this a little bit in a second where it's like, this is a very pivotal off season for Florida's trajectory as a program. But this isn't one of those things like we've been – you and I were both students when Florida made the SEC Championship in 2015 and 2016. Yes. Those were games where they won in SEC East, but it felt hollow because they got to the SEC Championship and they weren't competitive with Bama at all. It was basically They didn't a... deserve to be on the same field. No, we did not. Exactly. Like, it was – this year – and I, Florida fans, rightfully, were a little scared of is this that just that situation again. Florida proved that they belonged on that field. There, were, there was no other team in the conference that could have given Alabama that much of a run. Maybe, mm-hmm. There might not be another team in the country. And I think another thing to talk about this is that 
what I always want to remind people is like when you look at Alabama, we need to people need to stop and recognize because it's almost been so normalized because they're so covered and out, they're so good. Like, stop and recognize how special of a coach Nick Saban is. Yeah, what Alabama is should not. I mean, it's what you strive for, but that should not be an expectation that anyone can ever attain. Like, Alabama, Alabama is the ceiling for every other program. It is not the middle of the pack, and I feel like that's a problem that fan bases and other people around the country fail to understand where we are not trying to compete. Alabama has been a well-oiled machine, self-sustainable for 13 years since Saban has been there. Their, their, their down year. It's the greatest dynasty in the sport. It's the greatest dynasty in the sport. Their gra- their down year was last season when they didn't make the playoff for the first time. They went 11-2. They, they went 11-2 and two, and they dominated a Michigan team in the Citrus Bowl and you knew that Nick Saban was going to come out this year looking for revenge. That was a down year. <coughs> Excuse me. That was a down year for Alabama. That's just been consistent what we've had for the past two years. And granted, this will be the third straight year. We'll talk about it later in the next episode where we make it to a New Year's Six Bowl game. And hopefully we can win another one. But, like, that's not something that we should be taking for granted, you know? Like, that's yeah. a down year for Bama. You're not going to be at that level. Until Nick Saban retires, there will not be another team at their level and Clemson is the closest thing to it but look at what Clemson has had two generational quarterbacks in Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence an elite defensive coordinator that has not left for another program which is very rare which is very rare because by now Brent Venables would have gotten a head coaching job Clemson has an almost unbelievable amount of coordinator retention like they've kept all of their coaches yes like and and it also coincides with the worst period in Florida State football history. Yeah, and that's, the, and that's not a, to snub be a fool at. to not even to not acknowledge that. So there's so like, many outside things that have gone on. Florida as a program has had to deal with rebuilding their image, has had to deal with reviving an offense that was dead six feet under, and has had to deal with Kirby Smart, a recruiting mastermind, just a few hours to the north in your biggest rival in, in the division. Like. Yeah. They're doing this without being the top recruiting team in their conference. That's the thing where Florida is operating. Florida is already punching above their weight. I feel it's. I feel it is. What's the word I'm looking for? Great podcasting right here. I feel like this is. It's a bit irresponsible to put on the shoulders of the student, the student athletes, the coaching staff, and everyone the expectation to win a conference championship to beat uh, Nick Saban in Alabama. Now, should we expect to get to that championship game every year? Absolutely. Because we have shown yeah, that, that we have grown. there now. That's there yeah. now. We have grown to You don't want to go backwards after this. Exactly. And I, and I think the expectation is that you, like, I mean, I didn't expect Florida to win. I, di- I didn't. I mean, I, I obviously picked against them. Um, I picked them only because I said, I'm down so many points, I might as well go for it. Yeah. And... Again, we've been talking mostly positive. There's a lot. Of, there are negatives to take from this, um, of course, and, we, and it's the same things we talked about all season. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But like, there's a lot of good to be taken from this because there wasn't. Again, there was an opportunity. We've seen it happen before to lay down and give up, to 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 not look like you belonged on the same field. No one in the country thinks that Florida didn't belong on the same field that night. Yep. Florida had lost by six points to the, the best team in the country, and. It- yeah. I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna look at scoring 46 points, throwing for 400 yards, um, and in not in not in a, you don't accidentally score 46 points in Alabama. Correct. Like, exactly. Now and again, Florida's in a very pivotal offseason this season because they just had one of the best offenses in school history. Kyle Trask had probably the best quarterback season we've ever seen. 
at Florida um, from a passing standpoint. And the reason out, out if Florida, the, the, the unfortunate part of it is that if Florida had had a okay defense, they could have won this game. Yeah. That's the end. And like, that is a longer standing thing that is uh, frustrating. It's one of those things where, like we've known the Florida's defense has been what it is all season. So it's not like we didn't see that coming. Like, mm-hmm. um, but it is, you look at it, they lost by six points. You could have, a good, a better Florida defense. Last year's Florida defense could have, could have prevented at least one of those touchdowns. Yeah, I and think so as well. That is the unfortunate thing that they have. But this is what Florida, Florida made their bed, and they they've been sleeping in it all season. Yep. And this is how they slept. And you know what? It it's disappointing. It's encouraging, but it's one of those things where if you want to get over this hump, you have to make the changes. And the, it's a big part. Florida got so close to winning the East last year, but they lost to Georgia. And it's like the players felt that they felt that they were they were just one game away, mm-hmm. and they wanted they didn't want that to happen again. They got to the SEC championship this year, and they they matched up against Alabama. They felt what it was like maybe they won't want to, if they they want to put in the work and make that difference. And if Dan Mullen wants to get better, this is a pivotal offseason to change that because you don't want this to be the peak. Correct. You want this to be a stepping stone. Yep. It's there's only a couple more steps to take. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're really high on the mountain. Yeah, but like, if if you want the best, you have to. If you want what Alabama, what Clemson, what Ohio State have, you gotta go take it. We know Florida's program that is capable of taking it. Exactly. And we're not so, we're not dealing with with a lack of recruiting territory. We're not dealing with a lack of money. We're like, this is a program that can do it. This yeah. is a program that was a dynasty at one point, a short one, albeit, but can get to that point again the, and, um, and this is this is a this is a covid weird year who knows what'll happen next year who knows i, I don't know that's not even an excuse but that's one of the things you have to remember is that like okay and most coaches have a dip in year three in a program yeah most do florida didn't really well the and fact that the fact that our quote-unquote dip was a bad loss at home to a rival that was underperforming and a tough one possession loss on the road to a contend- the number, five team, the the number five team in the country, a contender in the SEC West. And, and then a six-point loss to <laughs> the Alabama Crimson Tide. <laughs> to the best team in college football and the best coach of all time. Like I feel like that as a down point is a good thing. Now, quickly, yeah. um, in the game, a couple of questionable things, right? Uh, I don't want to harp on the defense because we know what they are, but I do yeah. want to give them credit in the third they, they quarter. They made some stops. I want to like, say in the third quarter, Alabama didn't score in the third quarter. Yeah, that's a I'm, that's a that's a big deal right there. Florida Florida got outscored in the first half, thirty five to seventeen. They outscored Alabama twenty nine to seventeen in the second half. Exactly. They, so there were moments there. They, they, they Florida Florida dominated the third quarter. Yeah, and the questionable like, thing is, Alabama had one more possession, and that's what showed. But I think questionable decisions at the end of the second at the end of the second quarter, where maybe you took a little bit too long. And I know Dan Mullen going into halftime. Um, said that, hey, look, we're just trying to score. We're just trying to get points on the board. Which, and I which, understand that mentality, but Mullen has done it in the past. I don't know why he changed up his ideals just because he was going up against Bama. I think that's one of the things where we yeah. were lucky enough to win the toss. So, boom, that's in our pocket. And then I think they should have t- t- taken their time um, and given Bama less time to go on that drive, yeah. knowing your defense is gassed because they were on the field for the majority of the of the first half. You give I them agree. the break going into halftime. You get the ball. You score. Boom. One possession game. All in the matter of that middle eight. I I, I I like I here's the thing. I agree and I disagree with what, what most people are saying. Is that like 
I I agree with Dan Mullen where it's like it doesn't matter if you get the clock situation right if you don't score. Agreed. However, so so like you don't call plays. People people want to be like take it down as far as you like take it down to three seconds and score. No, you call whatever play you call. You call the play to score the touchdown. Yeah. Now, why you snap it with twenty seconds left in the play clock and the clock's running down in half with a minute left? That's beyond me. Yeah. Um. I like. Use up that's all the, the most, avail- that's the most use up all the available game. time you can before you go score that touchdown. I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, sometimes I'm hesitant to criticize coaches that get paid millions of dollars for this, but I have to deal with this when I play NCAA football. Correct. And my Washington State Cougars are trying to win a national championship against Notre Dame mm-hmm. at the end of the second half. <laughs> Deep cut. Just that. That was the that was the most recent dynasty. Idea. That was not for important. me. That was not, for not, me. That was that was for Sergio. <laughs> not important. But like I, these are things that I have to think about. And if I can make that decision, Dan Mullen can make that decision. I agree. And then there's obviously the clock management at the end of the the game was questionable. Um, it was that a timeout before a two point conversion play. I don't know why you wouldn't have that play drawn up already. Agreed. Is the thing. I don't know if you're if you're thinking you're going to go for two there, which I liked that. I agreed. The, I agreed with the decision to go for two. I did as well. I agreed with it. But we would have gotten. You want a you want to put time. the game in your hands of your offense. You want to put the in the sense of like if you miss it, then you have to put your game put the game back in your hands of your offense. You have to score again and you have to get two points to tie it. Yeah. Because if, if you if you try to tie it with Jebby just kicking PATs, you're basically like, okay, so we gotta take it to overtime with a team that's more talented than us. Right. You don't want to do that. You wanna you wanna bring defense, it down to one play. And the defense is gassed and again, college overtime rules, the superior overtime rules in our opinion. Correct. Uh you're at twenty five each time. So it's essentially red zone, red zone, red zone. And Alabama was a better red zone team than us. Like that a lot of our offense was, oh my gosh, Tony just beat a guy for forty yards. At the end yeah. of that first half the reason I think why that kind of went out the window was because Tony had like a 45 yard gain earlier yeah. in that drive. So I think that's the same, but I just wanted to bring that up because personally, I feel like Mullen wasn't Mullen didn't call a perfect game. No, he didn't. There's also a lot of questions about running the football on second and long on first and on second and long or doing a draw play on third and seven and those kind of things. It's, it's yeah, that's one of those things. I love the design of Mullen's Mullen's empty draw plays, right? Because they're open. You see it happen. You watch the offensive line. That's a 10 yards right there. But, but Kyle but Trask is the not room. the quarterback you should be playing that with. Read the room, my and guy. Kyle Trask is one of the only Mullen quarterbacks that has been unable to get 10 yards with that. And you ever. saw that there were only Mullen quarterbacks he's ever had is not able to get 10 yards with that. And listen, there's two plays that Emery came in for. Both of them were running plays. Both of them for a first down. Both of them more than 10 yards. So it worked strategically. Kyle Trask just wasn't the quarterback to do it. Yeah. So. And you can't and you can't throw Emery in there for you know I, you I like you can't put Emery in empty they're gonna know what you're doing they're like, gonna know what you're doing exactly yeah so and I, I get it but why are you doing that on a ten yard if you do have if you do that with like three yards to gain I get it right but I like I get running Trask in short yardage situations because he's a battering ram it almost didn't work for us because there was a couple fumbles. Shout out to the Alabama defensive back <laughs> who who literally had his hands on the Florida wide receiver. Before Shout the out ball you, was you kept us in the game. <laughs> yeah, but again, valiant effort for Florida. Yeah. Um overall an excellent team. You know, proud- Alabama's longest longest Alabama's longest play was thirty one yards. That's, that's shorter than I would have that's, that's shorter than I would have thought. That is shorter than I would have thought. And if you would have told me that at the beginning of the game, I would have done that. Listen, I got I got two more things and then we gotta move on. Number one, Heisman. There were four Heisman quality players four, on this four. game. I and maybe five if you want to count Tony. Um, you have on the Alabama side of the field, uh, you had 
obviously Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, and Najee Harris. And on the Florida side of the field, you had um, Kyle, Kyle Trask. Trask. What What do you think? There's only three final. There's the most finalists I've seen is four, right? Yeah, which is mm, and I, if I we're and if we're talking happen. about Trevor Lawrence playing his way to a finalist. Let's give the benefit of the doubt and say there's four finalists this year. Who's who? Are the other three, if you're going to put Trevor in there. Uh, well, Mac Jones and Kyle Trask are both making it to New York. It's happening. Yes. I mean, they're not physically going to New the York. Virtual, they're making it to the ceremony. The virtual New York. If the, the question is Devontae Smith or Najee Harris. I would put Devontae Smith. See, um, here's the thing. If you're talking about the season as a whole, Devontae Smith. But Najee Harris this single-handedly Najee. won them yeah. this football game. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they'll invite all five because it's a weird year. I, I yeah. don't know. Um, I think... But uh, my hope, biased Florida fans' hope, is that uh, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, and Mac Jones split enough votes to give Kyle Trask the Heisman. That's what I'm right. hoping as well. Um, but I just wanted it, to say— Because with the way the Heisman does their ceremony, it's very possible. But, so the way the Heisman is votes is ev- everyone who has a vote, you put three names, one, two, and three, in order. No, the Your first place vote gets three points, second place two, third place one. And it's the person with the most votes. So Or with the most points, sorry. So it does not—it's— essentially just the amount so if literally everyone puts Kyle Trask somewhere on their ballot he's likely to win he's, he doesn't he's have to get to the most first place exactly like, I mean Tim Tebow got the most first place votes in 2009 but he didn't win the Heisman because exactly. Sam Bradford got more votes more points exactly, like, exactly. Um, so important so to still, yeah. and then the last thing before we move on hey man I'm really proud of this team I'm, I'm proud this really team. proud of this team there's a tweet here by Nick Delatore I want to read it's the intro to the link to his game review um, Florida showed they belonged on the field with Alabama. And if they belong on the field with Alabama, that means they belong on the field with any team in the country. And I think that that is the best way you could have put it. I, I am, I am proud of all 85 scholarship players. I'm proud of all the additional 30 plus walk-ons. Yeah. Um, this team, t- and like, I mean, you know, we, we haven't talked about how terrible Marco Wilson was, uh, all season as much today. And he wasn't very good in this game, but you know what? I'm proud of, they, they went out and they showed they belonged. Yep, they um, did. They did. They did. Yeah. Um. All right, Tyler. Two points. You had Wake Forest over FSU. That game was canceled, but it didn't matter because I had Rutgers over Nebraska, uh, and Nebraska ends up winning twenty-eight to twenty-one. So I get no points. Uh, Michael, for the record, had Ole Miss over LSU, but LSU won forty-eight fifty. I'm sorry, LSU won fifty. I can't wait to go back and rewatch that game. I obviously didn't watch it. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. Uh, but it was. But it, it looked fun. It looked fun from the box score. It looked fantastic. Apparently, I do know this. Mac uh, Mac Corral had yeah. nine incompletions, five of which were interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but man. only four other, regardless. Oh man, we're gonna have to have a Mac Corral conversation on the on our bowl podcast because he's gonna play a pivotal role, a pivotal role in one of the bowl games that we are going to yeah. have an interest in. Tyler, this brings an end to our season-long five-wide two-point competition. And a final score, Sergio 56, Tyler, and new champion 61 points for Tyler. Congratulations, my friend. You may now put that in your Twitter bio. I will be removing it from my bio as we speak. Not as we speak, after we finish recording. I will be it's removing so it from good. my bio. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what? You know what, great, Tyler? Great season. Great season. Great season. And I can go ahead and take a crown from you, and I can be better at you than picking bowl games. So watch we'll out the next. It. We'll just switch it up. Listen, I'm telling you, the next episode in, the, in this feed is going to be our bowl extravaganza. So you're not going to want to miss it. That's going to be the next episode. Tyler, let's end the episode here. 
with our moment of the week. They are both NFL related. We had a sad day yesterday with the Gators, but there is some great news for both of us today. Tyler, what's your moment of the week? The Jets won a damn football game. And you know what that does? The Jaguars are now picking number one in the NFL draft. Ladies and gentlemen, send me all of your Trevor and Teal. DM them. Tag me them. Send them all the edits. I want everything. I'm getting a new jersey. The rest of the season is still left to play. I don't care. Um, How wonderful is it going to be to have Trevor Lawrence as your starting quarterback and Gardner Minshew as your backup? The hair is the hair in the in the quarterback room. It might be the sauciest quarterback room in the league. It's it literally if Trevor Lawrence is able to grow a blonde mustache, (laughs) that would just be funny. Well, I it's a testament to Trevor Lawrence's impact and the fact that I was talking to my sister about this and I'm like, oh, we we now have the opportunity to get Trevor Lawrence. She's like, oh, really? Like Trevor Lawrence? (laughs) My sister doesn't care about football at all. (laughs) She knew who Trevor Lawrence was. I love it. I it's. Yeah, the Jets just beat the Rams, which is amazing because now the Rams lost the game, which helps us out because the Jaguars have the Rams' first-round pick. Yes. And additionally, the Jets get moved down to number two pick. Jaguars get number one. Our remaining games are, I believe, at least uh, – I think we still play the uh, Bears, Colts, and I don't know who else. But no, there's, all there's, those teams have things to play for. There's two games left, Tyler. This oh, was week, only two games left? This was 15. You have two games to lose. There's only two games left. We yeah. play the Bears next week and the Jack- the Colts the next week. Both those teams have something to play for. Okay, so what I need is the Colts to lose next week. Who do the Colts play next week? Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Just give me uh, because f- fantastic because we podcasting. are because the Dolphins the Steelers. Okay, so I need the Steelers to win next week, and then that way the Colts can beat the Jags, and I won't feel bad because if the Dolphins win next week against the Raiders, I think we tie with the Colts. And so that's the thing where I want to be able to have a good playoff spot in that yeah. sense. But all, all that works because my moment of the week is the Miami Dolphins beating the New England Patriots 22-12 to to knock out the Patriots from playoff contention for the first time in 11 years, Tyler. Jeez. More than a decade. More than a decade. What a day for us in the Jeez. NFL. What a strange year. What a strange day. It's very possible that after the events of today – with the Jaguars losing forty to fourteen to the to the Baltimore Ravens, uh-huh. the Jets winning twenty three to twenty against the Los Angeles Rams, and the New England Patriots getting knocked out into it, it's very possible that in a, in a few short months, the quarterbacks of this podcast will be Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville and Tua Tagovailoa in uh, Miami. And it's all thanks to one hashtag, and that is hashtag Tanking Works. Hashtag Tanking Works. I never doubted. I know you had to convince me, but I like, had to convince you. I know you never. Did. No. You you guys should have seen how it was with me and my dad watching the Jets game, <laughs> and we were so. I, I have always loved Sam Darnold. I'll buy him a beer if I ever see him in person. Um, <laughs> I again, Jaguars. You got you got you got to win out. You got to be sure you got to lose out, dude. You, but you also gotta, also, selfishly, Trevor Lawrence is no longer in my division. <laughs> if, if this holds, yeah. Uh, here's we the thing: have, it's my dad. To hold. You, you you have one thing that you got going for you. You have the week seventeen Bill Belichick backup plan. Mm-hmm. If if the Jets somehow get back into first place, Bill Belichick, I don't think he's gonna. You already knocked out a playoff contention, and if you lose, you get a better draft pick, and the Jets don't get Trevor Lawrence. Why would you win that game? I don't know why. I don't know why. Why you would, why would you try to win that game? You're Bill Belichick. You're not gonna get fired. Like, no, you'll be fine. Um, Call it a down year. Draft a 
these late season games matter. They can change the the projection of NFL franchises. Yes, like, they can. Yeah, sorry, I'm really excited because uh, I'm I might be having a hall of, uh, as a day day tweeted at me. Um, how does it feel to have a future Hall of Fame quarterback? <laughs> Which let's calm down because he's still coming to Jacksonville, and I still need to see who we hire as a coach and the GM. True, but, but you do have one of those talents. But get, having the number one pick in this year, yeah. True. Again. DM me or tag me in any and all Trevor Lawrence uh, Jaguar jersey edits. Listen, I'm I'm saying this. New York over Jacksonville as a city, I'll take New York. But oh, let's absolutely. be real here. Jacksonville over the suburbs of New Jersey, I'm taking Duval. Just, I, I appreciate that. I just appreciate that. In terms of living my life, it's, I would rather— It's warmer here, so— <laughs> And Trevor Lawrence, Southern boy, went to Clemson because he wanted to be close to home. Boom. Boom. Boom! Right there. Boom! There you go. It, it, it will take almost nothing to be the best quarterback in franchise history. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh awesome. man, what oh, a, a day. bonus moment of the week! Bonus, bonus, moment of the week. bonus. I found out Barry Jenkins is a Florida fan. <laughs> Did you see that? Barry Jenkins is a Florida. Barry fan? Barry Jenkins, the director of Moonlight, is a Florida fan. I but didn't he go to FSU? He was tweeting about this game the entire time. No way. He might, he might have done like my film professor at Florida. Uh, went to Florida, the Florida State Film School. But he didn't go to. She didn't go to undergrad there. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Okay. Like Barry Jenkins was tweeting about like, oh, this is the off season for Dan Mullen. Like he's got to make the decision to fire Tucker Grantham. He's like, he's he is tweeting at Gator V reporters and tweeting about the Florida game. And I have never felt like Barry more... Barry Jenkins come on the pod, please. Barry Jenkins come on the pod. Barry Jenkins come. On, it'll be half. It'll be half about art and then half about the Gators. <laughs> yeah. We got this. We got this. Peak offseason pod. Peak offseason. Right. Listen, Tyler, uh, what a great conference championship. Congrats to everyone who finished the football season. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, there boy. is a, there is a I want to call it a truncated bowl season coming up. Um, and we will have all of that coverage for you. Uh, Tyler, our next episode will be our bowl extravaganza. We're going to preview all the bowl games we can, all the bowl games we know are happening at the moment of recording because – you will be listening to this episode today on Monday, December 20th. And at 2.30 p.m. later today, Appalachian State will be kicking off the bowl season taken on North Texas in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. So, it's coming up quick. We're going to have that episode. It's going to be the next episode on this feed, so you can go ahead and listen to it now. I will be make sure to edit it and do overtime work. I got this for you guys, all for the listeners, all for the pod. Uh, but yeah, next up is our bowl extravaganza. We're going to be back, Tyler. We don't know when, but we will be back for sure. We'll talk about maybe uh, some of the playoff games. Maybe we'll come back and review some of those big bowl games. We'll see how it goes. But for now, Tyler, the Gators, great season. Great season for everyone. Congratulations to every program for getting through and making the best of this crazy, wild coronavirus season. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. With all that being said, this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And we are not biased, but Kyle Trask for Heisman. Kyle Trask for Heisman, you cowards.